0: It's a light day. I ain't got on them by 700,000 worth. That's it. You know what I'm saying? I was having trust issues, but I've been having way better luck since you. I never true love with you. Told myself I don't wanna fall in love with you.
1: Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the View from the Terminal podcast. I am your host, Jordan Zerm. I run View from the Terminal, which is a website focused on Cleveland sports, culture, and just Cleveland in general. I also write for Stack, and I contribute to Complex as well as Uproxx. And Today, Uproxx is the place where, shameless plug if I might, but I dropped a piece on the ever-popular Cleveland Cavaliers-centric podcast entitled Road Tripping" with RJ and Channing, which I'm sure as you now know is a wonderful piece of audio enjoyment where Richard Jefferson and Channing Fry, two Cleveland Cavaliers teammates who have known each other since their days at the University of Arizona, Bring on various teammates when the Cavs are on road trips and talk about really whatever they want. And it's where Kyrie Irving made his now infamous Flat Earth comments, uh, which got that particular episode all the way up to number one in the sports and recreation category on iTunes, the second time an episode from Road Trippin' has made it all the way up there. So really awesome and entertaining podcast. If you have not checked it out yet and you are a fan of the Cleveland Cavaliers, I must ask what is wrong with you. So get on that immediately. Now, the host of said podcast is Allie Clifton. She has been the Cleveland Cavaliers sideline reporter for Fox Sports Ohio since 2012. And she was kind enough to not only join me over the phone to talk about her hosting duties and how the podcast came about, which you can obviously read way more about in the article that I mentioned earlier, but she spoke with me about her career and how she got into sports broadcasting and what it's like covering one of the most high-profile teams in the NBA and how she's grown and how things have obviously changed since she started in 2012 when LeBron James was not there and how different they are now. She also touched on some of her weirdest and maybe most awkward live television moments, which is always a fun conversation. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Allie Clifton, again, the sideline reporter for the Cleveland Cavaliers for Fox Sports Ohio, and check out ViewFromTheTerminal.com when you have a chance. Enjoy. So um,
0: I began with Fox Sports Ohio in 2012, August of 2012. Okay. So um, that was my first full season. And, of course, all I do is cover the caps. Um But I am employed by, obviously, Foxwoods, Ohio. Um, but that began in 2012.
1: Okay. And then I know that, you know, you and you obviously, you played uh, basketball at the University of Toledo. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I played, um, my undergrad was 2006, fall 2006 through, um, two thousand
1: ten. Okay, cool. And then, so I guess just briefly, how did you kind of get into you know kind of sports broadcasting, and how did your career kind of take you to to where you are now?
0: Yeah, um, you know, it's, it's unique. I always tell people that when they ask me this question, or if there's you know um, younger younger people who are looking to get into the field as well. Um, I was an education major in college, so um, I really have no experience through a textbook um, or through classes even. Um, it was one of those things where I was an education major up until the final day before my last semester of undergrad, and I kind it kind of hit me. My playing days were over um, physically, and there was still um, an attachment that I was craving to sports, and um, so I, I changed my major, like I said, the last day before final semester began. Um, all my credits transferred, I um, went into an individual, individualized study program. Um, graduated on time, and then I went away that summer to Atlanta uh, for an internship. I interned with the Hawks on the basketball side of things. Okay. I'm um, in their community relations um, and marketing side. And then I came back to Toledo and got my master's. Um, now my master's, again, are in liberal studies, not communications. So uh, while I got my master's, I like to think of, it kind of bought me time, so to speak, because I was a GA in the weight room, um, and so I was able to get my school paid for it, fortunately. Um, and while I did that, I started um, doing some color analyst work with a very small network in Toledo called BCSN. Um, so I was calling a lot of games, collegiate, high school, boys and girls basketball, college basketball. Um, in the MAC, obviously, MAC volleyball. Um, I had played volleyball in high school. So I just did a lot of work then over the next two years. Um, and upon graduating with my master's, I had just sent a reel out everywhere. Um, and I, I tried to, to get a job post master's, and um, fortunately, I um, got a call from Foxworth, Ohio in August um, of 2012 for this position. So it, it's unique. It's interesting. Um, like I said, I, I kind of used the game to get me to the, the point where I'm at now. Um, um, so it's different uh, than most people. Uh, however, it obviously served me well in the two places, uh, companies, Foxworth, Ohio, and the Cavs have been nothing but great for me in, in terms of my experience
1: so far. For sure. So I guess it's kind of interesting because you um, you kind of started there in the in the um, kind of like post-LeBron era, and um, yeah. I'm so I'm curious. I'd be really curious to know. How things obviously there's the the obvious answers and uh, of you know there's more national attention there's more media there's but I, I'd be curious from your perspective like what what's the biggest change between when you were covering the team without LeBron and now in the you know three years that he's kind of been back here what for from your perspective what's been the biggest difference?
0: Um, you know, it's crazy, but it's everything. You know, from expectations from. Um, The attention, as you mentioned, from the eyeballs that are now on, um, both not just when the cameras are rolling and when the game is on, but, you know, in our world of social media today, it's nonstop. Um, And so, you know, you have to be a professional uh, day in and day out, no matter what side you're on, whether, you know, you are one of the athletes or you are just um, that individual covering that team. Um, and, And you're held to that higher standard, um, I think on a daily basis, just given the the attention and the eyeballs that are uh, on this team. Um, so I, I think that's been the biggest difference. You know, my first two years, I did have a year of experience in terms of um, just being in the field, but it was a big jump for me. You know, I've done two gigs as a sideline reporter in Toledo, and that's, my current role. And so I was learning on the fly my first year. I know we won 24 games, I think, but still Kyrie Irving was a a rising superstar. And so there's still a lot of attention there. Um, And then after those two years, obviously things drastically changed with LeBron coming back. Um, so I, I just think from being a professional to, um, the, the attention and the expectation, um, both on and off the floor, both when the camera's not rolling and not rolling. Um, It's it's been the biggest, I don't want to say challenge. However, that's what it is. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, that's what I live for. That's where the athlete in me really craves and, and thrives on the opportunity that I have.
1: Sure. Okay, cool. And then I guess kind of along those lines, too, I wanted to ask you as well, like, how long did it take you to fully get comfortable um, in, in your position? You oh, you, Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, you mentioned how it, was, uh, how it was a challenge early on, just kind of finding your way and learning on the fly, and there's there's so many things, I feel like, for a sideline reporter's job that I would be, like, when, when you have to grab a guy immediately, you know, at halftime and after the game and finding who you're going to talk to and coming up with good nuggets to, to report during the game and all that stuff. So, uh, there's a lot that you have to do. Um, I'm curious, yeah, how long it kind of took you to, to finally feel like you, you're comfortable, if, if you even feel that way yet?
0: You know, I don't think I'll ever feel 100% comfortable. And, and I say that because, this is very honest, um, if I feel that way, I think it, it's time that I, I go in a different direction. Sure. You know what I'm saying? And that's the beauty of this profession. Number one, it's live television. Uh, Number two, there's always a new storyline. There's always a new headline. And number three, we're covering, especially now, the defending champions. So uh, there's always something that makes me feel uncomfortable, but (laughs) so crazy. It's like my motto. Unless I'm feeling uncomfortable, I'm not growing. So it's been huge for me. Um, I think what has become comfortable, though, that has allowed me to – continue to succeed, and when I do hit bumps in the road, uh, be able to push through is, you know, the, the lifestyle of traveling as much as we do, uh, being in and out of cities, the time zone change, the late nights, the quick turnarounds of the back-to-back, that is what has become comfortable for me. Um, I know my first year was a huge whirl- whirlwind, and, and I I felt like I was always trying to catch my breath and treading water, trying to keep my head above above water and now I feel like I've gotten that down (laughs) um to the point where now I'm packing for a trip this week and I just started a half hour ago and now I'm done So, like (laughs) those little things are what I become comfortable with but the job itself I haven't but that's the best part sure um five years in and I'm not comfortable um because I always want more and I want the new challenge and I want what's next um and, and that's what's cool especially about covering this team now
1: for sure. And, you know, one brief thing I want to touch on, what you just mentioned about about the travel. Um, can you can you give me, like, a, I know, so I think this is, like, the Cavs have, like, the most road games in a month that they've, like, ever had or something this, um, this month. But, or in March, excuse me. Um, yeah, can you just give me, like, a brief look into, because I don't think people fully understand um, how crazy NBA travel and schedules are. Like, can you give me, like, a typical or, like, a road trip you remember and just, like, a quick... Um, I don't know, like, class or a quick explanation of, like, what you go through on a road trip and, like, how how hectic and how crazy one of those road trips might be for you in terms of just traveling and leaving and getting on flights and all of that?
0: Um, I like to think of it as well as the overall... Position in terms of covering a team per se, uh, like us regional network sideline reporters and, and play-by-play and color analysts do. Sure. Um, when you put the team full season, right? You're in and out. Of, you're you're in it to win it with everything. Whether that's practices, shoot-arounds, home games, road games, you're in it, right? So I like to think of it as the most exhausting yet rewarding thing you can do. So on this road trip, it's going to be exhausting. We're going to Boston. Then we're in Atlanta. Then we got a quick turnaround. We're going to Miami. We don't come back till Sunday. Uh, you think of the expectations of the games and how critical they are and just what it means for this team to get off on the right foot. All these things are going through your mind. It's exhausting. But we're going to Boston. We're going to Atlanta, the South. We're going to Miami. It's yeah. like, what more can you not appreciate and love about that opportunity? In March, to be in 80-degree weather and sunshine for three days, I mean, you just, that's, what, that's what's so amazing and fun about this gig. You know, I tell people all the time, I'm exhausted, but it's not because of how we've lived this lifestyle, it's the schedule. So, um, I, I guess that's my, my quickest way to sum it up. It's the most exhausting yet rewarding um, thing that I
1: do for a living, and I get paid to do it. So for sure, um, okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, cool. So yeah. So I'll, I'll get to the podcast, and I am. Um, I'm curious how it kind of originated I you know RJ and, and Channing obviously have known each other for forever but they've they're, they're still fairly new to the Cavs in terms of time in Cleveland and um, you know times with their teammates and um, I mean it's obvious the impact that both of them have had on the overall kind of atmosphere with the Cavs and in the locker room and all that but so how did it kind of come to be was this an idea they brought to you was this something that you kind of had in the works with them or you had in the works by yourself how did everything kind of come together
0: yeah, uh, Richard approached, actually, myself and my producer at Foxwood, Ohio, uh, about a month two months ago, uh, regarding this idea that he had. Obviously, you know, watching him doing so much TV stuff with us for Fox Sports Ohio, uh, this is something he wants to get into post-basketball career. So, um, he had this idea uh, to get into a little bit of podcasting, and obviously the dynamic personalities and the relationship, uh, lightheartedness, charismatic um, bond that he and Channing have. Um, they, they knew that they could make this happen, but they needed someone and wanted someone um, to kind of host, kind of direct and steer things along. Um, so they approached my about it, and I will be honest. Um, I tell people all the time as well that I was not reluctant, but I was a bit hesitant just because of how dynamic and how dominating their personalities are. I thought to myself, Am I gonna be able to keep up? Because it's a platform where you can stay and do whatever you want, right? Um, as you so Um, initially that was kind of the hesitation, but then I thought to myself, this is an opportunity that hasn't been done before. This is something that hasn't been done before, and it's an opportunity that really could help excel me in, in many different facets as well. So, um, I, I said, of course, yeah, we can do it. Uh, they went away from Fox Sports, Ohio, just because there's such a visual platform. Uh, so that's where the Cavs, um, Spanish radio, Rafa, he came into play in terms of his equipment, producing, editing, and so forth. Um, so that's how it kind of started, just... Richard having this idea, knowing how well it would go over if you add someone like Channing, and then um, from there, we weren't really sure how it was going to go be honest. Um, our very first one, as you know, took place in San Francisco uh, the night before Golden State game. And we were in the, the trainer, Steven Spiro's hotel room. We had one microphone in a wine glass <laughs> and kind of peeped in there. And Kyrie was going to come get treatment. And all of a sudden, he wants to sit down and we chat for an hour. And that's kind of how the first one went. And then the second one. Um, was just RJ Channing and I. We had three mics now but we're holding the mics. Uh, The sound wasn't great. We're leaning back in our chairs in New Orleans and then um, the third one obviously as you know we decided we were delayed on the flight to Dallas uh, because of weather. We brought the equipment up. LeBron decided to join in. Kyrie wanted some of it again Um, but we only had four mics and we had Five people talking. So RJ and I are sharing a mic. Uh, And then we realized, based off of how much of a hit it was, uh, let's start investing. So, you know, from there it just spiraled into RJ handing out, forking over money for Rafa and I to go buy microphone headsets in New York City. And um, we now are and have been able to put together what we have. And um, as you know, and obviously the reason why we're talking, it's been a success. So that's kind of how it started. Um, Very casual. Uh, but
1: it's turned into something pretty cool. For sure. And <clears throat> Allie, in that first episode, you know, I'm I'm curious as to how. If there's, I mean, are there any parallels to like you finding your way, you know, when you were first doing sideline reporting, like, did you kind of have to feel it out that first episode and figure out, you know, okay, you know, hosting, I got to push them here. Oh, I should let them talk here. Like, what has that process been like for you just as a host trying to keep, because like, as you said, those guys love to talk and they, they all have their own personalities. So how has that um, transition been for you trying to keep things moving and, and going from topic to topic?
0: Uh, just like being a sideline reporter, it, it's never comfortable for me. Um, uh, but what keeps me doing it and enjoying it and getting excited about it is that um, it's a challenge. It's a challenge, and it's something new, and it's something awesome. So, um, like I said, the, the uncomfortable, uncomfortable ability, whatever whatever that word is, being uncomfortable, <laughs> yeah. um, is uh, what, I guess, the same from both what I do on Fox Sports Ohio and what I do um, sitting there with a headset on with these guys you know I, I didn't know Kyrie in, in episode 7 was going to tell me the earth was flat I didn't know Kyrie was that deep minded of an individual right. I didn't know he read books like that um into that degree. So that's what's so cool about it. You know, at the end of the day, this is a platform that allows these professional athletes to be human. Um, it allows them to tell a, a different side of themselves and allows a fan to understand who they are as the individual, uh, people and not just basketball players. Right. Um, so I think that there's a lot of parallels, um, uh, but it's the, the constant challenge and being uncomfortable in a good way
1: that, that I love. For sure. um, Well, that obviously I'll just kind of uh, uh, transition to the Kyrie thing because I I definitely wanted to ask you this. You know, in the first episode – you know, he, when you had asked, I think your question was, what would you rather be able to do control space or time? And that's when Kyrie said something, something along the lines of time is a misconception. And, you know, that got kind of chanting, laughing about, Oh, here we go. The conspiracies and stuff and all that. So when I heard that, I was like, Oh, Kyrie's kind of an interesting guy. And then, um, obviously his flat earth comments, maybe timed up with all-star weekend and the fact that more people were listening. But I mean, I was down in new Orleans and that was such a, a dominant kind of narrative that was going on while, while I was down there Crazy, right? it, it was it, it really was insane how much that took off and um, so I, I guess this is a two-parter one you um, you mentioned that you didn't even know how kind of how curious Kyrie is and how much he likes obviously doing research into into certain things he's been taught that maybe he doesn't fully believe or he just wants to figure out for himself so um yeah just expanding a little on what you've gotten to know about Kyrie since doing this podcast and then I, I'd just be really curious for your perspective on um your thoughts when his flat earth comments took off and like what that experience was like where something that happened on your podcast became like a huge kind of national news story during all-star we
0: weekend um my to answer your first question uh my thoughts about Kyrie in terms of how they've changed number one it's not so much that they've changed but I have a greater understanding I think of who he is as a person um I've covered this guy for at least for obviously five years day in and day out for a large portion of a year of each year and so um, I think what's been fun is just to see his growth in terms of on the floor but then now with this podcast um, there's that greater understanding of who he is as a person. And I think the more you're able to understand someone like that, the better off the relationship can become. And, and that's how, for instance, I'll just throw it out there. I got chosen, I guess, by these guys to be their leader, to be their host because of that trust. And so when then you sit down and you hear him talk this way and feel that that comfort to be able to open up like that, um, it's, is awesome, it's important, and not that I never thought he was intelligent, I mean, the kid went to Duke, right? but there is an intelligence factor, uh, another level of intelligence that you start to realize and appreciate and understand about him. Um, So I think from that standpoint, that's what I've kind of taken in terms of just being able to chat with him on the podcast, but in terms of the Earth is flat comment, I'll be honest with you, in the moment, I didn't think anything of it. Right. I really didn't. Um, And actually, what not that I'm, dis- I'm not disappointed, however, um, what kind of bothersome about it all is that I think his overall message of freeing your mind, and I'll be honest with you, the day after All-Star, the turned- we turned to practice, and he came over and we chatted, and I had just done a radio hit that morning, and I told him that I said this exact same thing before he even told me. His overall message got lost. Right. In this simple comment, you know, and and that's fine. I mean, it it was what it was, and obviously it took off, and uh, it was great publicity. But I think what people need to understand is this is a guy that really allows himself to be free. And it's a lot of what he's just learned and developed and and started to realize about himself over the last several years. And so I think it's cool to see how, you know, he – how much he wants to allow that – to to be heard and to be known about him that he is a curious individual, that he will stretch his mind as far as it can go and this is nothing to do with basketball you know, this is about learning himself as an individual first before he gets to know others, Um, whether that's his girlfriend, whether that's family, whether that's new friends he encounters with Um, and so that's the part that that kind of sucks about it all, uh, I think his deeper message um, of doing your own research and and freeing your mind kind of got lost Um, but I mean, I'm not complaining. There was a lot of publicity. It attracted a lot of people to the podcast. So it's cool. But um, that's
1: just kind of my thought about that and Kyrie. Yeah, most definitely. And I I wonder, too, like how – was he down at all after that weekend? Because I remember seeing – I actually spoke to him during All-Star Weekend, and there was another reporter um, that was with me that sort of tried to ask him in a roundabout way about the flatter stuff, and Kyrie really wasn't having it. And then I remember – Um, it was like I think it was media session maybe before uh, on Sunday before the game and he he kind of got a little agitated by a reporter who was asking him now I'm sure he'd been asked like a thousand times by then but I'm curious like was he was he as surprised at those comments that specific part of his comments took off and was he kind of taken aback at all at about about, maybe not the backlash but just kind of the the conversation that it sort of sparked around almost every sports network that I that I can
0: think of. I mean, I don't want to speak for Kyrie. I don't want to yeah. put words in his mouth. But just given what I know of him and kind of the vibe I got, especially after that practice when I was talking to him, not at all. Yeah. I mean, number one, Kyrie, if there's anything you need to know about him, is if he's going to say something, he means it. And, and so that's the truth, and that's the genuine side of him, and that's real Kyrie. So uh, I don't think he was taken back, but it goes back to his message. At the moment, here he is in his, what, fourth All-Star game? Or her fourth All Star appearance, and he's there to do that and play basketball, and and he thinks of the world in such a different way and different light. But that was the conversation that was going on. So I don't think he was I don't think he was bothered by it per se. But there was other things in his life going on currently at that time. Um, for example, All Star Weekend. That right. He was probably trying to enjoy and live in the moment with. Uh, but I, I don't think at all he was taken back. He's been great. I mean, last night he walked out of the locker room uh, post game and he, he yelled at me and he said, "Hey, are we podcasting?" And I was like, "Yeah, going to do it on the flight tomorrow or in Boston." He's like, "All right, yeah, let's go." So he's ready to go. So, so he's ready to get back um, at it.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, well, Ali, I just have a couple more for you. Again, thank you so much for for great. chatting with me. Um, Yep. something you mentioned was, um, you know, how comfortable the, the, the guys are with you where they, you know, they asked you to, you know, be the host. And that's something that I, have honestly, I've really picked up from whether it's your, um, post-game interviews or just the things that some of the guys have felt comfortable talking with you about on the podcast, whether it's, you know, Tristan probably talking publicly about, you know, Chloe for at least the first time I've really even heard it and him feeling comfortable enough with you to, to talk about that from obviously Kyrie being open and even, you know, LeBron coming on and, um, somebody of his stature kind of coming on and and kicking it with you guys and, um, talking about it. So I'm, I'm curious how, you know, you were able to kind of develop that rapport with these guys and, and how you've (laughs) kind of over the years figured out how to, um, yeah, get to a place where obviously they, they trust you and, um, you know, you obviously have the media side and you, you have to be kind of that media person, but you also are able to kind of connect with them and you spend so much time around them too, um, yeah, just that that line that you kind of balance there between that and, and how you've developed such a good r- rapport with, with, with the team.
0: Uh, I'll be honest with you. It, it, I give a lot of credit to uh, my producer at Fox, uh, Brent Valenti, and um, my play-by-play and color analyst, you know, Fred McLeod and Austin Carr, because here's the thing is Brent will put me in situations that, again, make me uncomfortable, but he'll push me to want to do interviews. He'll push me to do what. He'll push me to to challenge myself um, around these guys with different, uh, whether it's sit down interviews pre um, pre season, prior to the playoffs, that sort of thing. So it allows me to kind of um, grow as an individual, grow in this profession. And then you've got Fred Cloud and and Austin who set such a high standard of expectation in terms of our end and our. our uh, visibility with these guys, for instance, my first two years, I, I wasn't really granted access um, at the time. It was different leadership in terms of um, the cabs and so forth. But um, to be inside practice every single day, to be um, around as much as I now am. So then there you tie in the Cavs side of things. And they've given me an amazing opportunity to be inside practice every single day. There's a trust that comes there. Um, But proving that I want to be there, that they can trust what goes on inside those doors, stays inside those doors, Um, and the message that I continue to push and work on um, day in and day out of my profession. And I think with that comes um, the level of um, reliability and trust, again, from the athletes um, to myself. And I truly believe that that is why they're comfortable sitting down on an hour long podcast and talking about things that we've never heard of, you know, opening up, um, with stories that we are all so amazed by. Um, and the, also for RJ and Channing to, to trust me, um, to be in that leadership position, um, it's because I'm around all the time. You know, what's so funny is my husband lives in Toledo. He's a college basketball coach at the university of Toledo and I'm here. So nine months out of the year, we hardly see one another, right. but neither here nor there. We get what we do. We get our professions, but we understand the time commitment. And I've chosen to take that very serious. And, um, at the end of the day, it, it's truly paid off. And this podcast is an example of that.
1: Sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, and just taking a quick aside, but I, you know, I wanted to ask you just as you, as as a as a sideline reporter, and obviously, um, you know, that that especially with the 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 light that's on the team, there's moments that you know can kind of take on a life of their own. There, obviously, when you you know that the interview with Tristan a few years ago, that people kind of decided to make assumptions about, and then there was the <laughs> there was the one a couple weeks ago where people think you said a word that um, I don't really think it sounded at all like you said, but they they kind of
0: thank you, yeah, it thank
1: really. You. I didn't see that live, and so I like the next day I went on and, like, obviously saw the headline of what the word was, and I listened to it, and I was like, That's such a reach! Like, it's an incredible it, reach. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it wasn't.
0: I know I said, I, I what happened was I changed my thoughts really quick. I just changed my thoughts, in yeah. sentence, and so I said observation, and so I get our sophomore art society and how they <laughs> yeah. see them. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but. Never once did the word "mess" Like, never once did that come out
1: of my mouth. No. Yeah, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm curious, like, what your... I don't know. Has there been a moment along the lines of those that has kind of been the the weirdest or like biggest, I don't know, maybe challenge, not the right word, but thing that you kind of look back on and we're like, Oh, why did that become a thing? And that's something that you were just kind of like, that's not at all what people are making it out to be in a weird moment where something takes on a life of its own from a video clip that maybe you don't even know was something that, um, you know, people were even talking about until maybe you went on social media the night after or something like that.
0: Yeah. You know, I've actually, I've had three, you've named, I've had three instances where, um, each one has kind of taken on on a life of its own and, the, the getting hit in the head with the basketball uh, my yes. second year. Yes. I think that, um, to be honest with you, like, I I knew it hit me, but I'm like, eh, it's not really a big deal. Uh, but then it blew up. Right. I, I guess I did real realize. I, I don't know. That was kind of interesting to me. Uh, but it was positive, no big deal. Um, the Tristan, I can understand why it blew up. However, um, the way it came across and, and the flack and the heat that Tristan got, uh, I felt bad. It was unfortunate because he's one of the most charismatic outgoing, loving guys that you could ever be around. And so he's never, ever been unprofessional to me. He's never treated me with disrespect. And and so that was tough. I really, honestly, truly felt bad for him. And that was a bummer. But it's a lesson learned, and obviously it's never happened and will never happen again. Um, And then the third one, I think that that really got to me, actually, was this most recent one. Um, Because... It's crazy to think this and hear this. I've, I was talking to the guys about it actually um, on our flight to Oklahoma, no, Dallas. I forget what it was. <laughs> um, anyways, but uh, I, I know that I cover a very high profile teams. I know that it's hard to shy away from uh, being in the spotlight. However, I like to fly under the radar, if that makes sense. Yeah. What I mean by that is I'm in this job, I'm, I'm in this career, and I'm in this field to be successful, not to be famous. Um, and so if I am able to do my job and do it at a high clip and and um, and be successful with it, that's all that matters. Um, but because I chose to change my thoughts and talk too fast, I took away attention to what I thought was a positive story uh, and put it on myself. And that bothered me. It bothered me. It didn't bother me the way people were handling it and stuff. I, I just chose to shut down all my social platforms. Yeah. Because the toughest part in those moments and situations are you – can't have a voice, you know, because the second you respond, you attract more. And that's not who I am. So I just chose to, to shut everything down for a couple of days. And it was good, obviously, and fine for me. But as a competitor and someone who really tries to, to strive for excellence and so forth, I, I was upset with just how I handled that moment myself personally. Um, but, uh, it's just a, you know, it's a lesson learned. And not only that, but I'm not perfect. I'm also human. Um, so yeah, the, the backlash and everything, it did sting a bit. I'm not going to sit here and say, uh, it didn't, it did, but it was more so because I could have easily helped, um, not having that situation happen. However, it did. And live television, what are you going to do?
1: Yeah. Right? What are you, you going to do? It happens. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. And then Ali. lastly, um, for you, I just want to know okay. what, what the coolest thing, that a player has told you on a pot on the podcast has been whether it's something like you didn't know about them beforehand, whether it's an anecdote of a story that you just thought was really um, insightful or eye-opening. Because I know I can, I, there's a bunch that I've learned about the guys that I just think is you know I had never heard anywhere else and is just so fascinating to me. So I'm curious what and maybe it doesn't have to be like the, your number one, but just one of any of the things that you heard and and said. Oh, that's that's really cool that you decided to kind of share that with us.
0: Um, let me preface first with saying I think every time I get a chance to sit down with RJ and Channing, it's enlightening. Yeah. Um, it's, it's awesome. It's fun. Um, so I feel like there's something I can pull from just those two in general For every sure. time. Um, and I'm not just saying that. I truly believe that. That's what's kind of the beauty of all this. But I think one of the coolest things that I've heard is um, when LeBron said that he wants to be dad to his kids and Kyrie be superhero. Um I think that's something that no one has heard before, obviously. And for him to open up about that and to hear that side, because what's so funny is we've heard all the time, you know, when LeBron was thinking about coming back or contemplating coming back here to Cleveland, uh, what was Bryce's first, or Bronny's first question? I think it was I think it was Bronny. Uh, his first question, Dad, you're going to play with Kyrie Irving? Right. You know, or there's days at practice where I've seen Bryce throw in um, entry passes to Kyrie while he's working on Postos. And, and I was actually sitting next to LeBron, who was giving an interview with Lee Jenkins at the time, and he said, I mean, look, my son gets to play with Kyrie Irving? Like, you can't beat it. And a week or two later, we have him on the podcast, and you hear him say that? It's real. You know, he gets to go home and be dad to his kids, but yet he has a teammate, a brother in Kyrie Irving that can be superhero, and it's fulfilling that. I mean, there's no, there's nothing better than than hearing that humane story in that side of these two high-profile superstars. Yeah. Um, so I think that was that has been uh, one of the coolest things so far, for, for sure.
1: For sure. I was going to say that's actually probably the thing that stood out to me the most when I was listening to that. I was like, oh, LeBron like, like not only was it kind of adorable, but it was also just like, the, like yeah. Le, LeBron like loves Kyrie like as a as a teammate, as, as a dude, as someone like his kids look up to, like, I, yeah, that was, I like played it back. Cause I was like, that, that is one of the coolest things that I think I've ever heard just kind of in between teammates and, you know, guys that early on, especially when he, when he was here the first time and they went through a tough stretch that all anybody wanted to talk about was like, Oh, can LeBron and Kyrie coexist and all that stuff. And then you hear something like that. And it's like, they're literally, like best buds and, you know, have a much deeper relationship than anybody knows about. So um, I would agree. that I, I think that's the biggest thing that stood out to me, too. That was really cool.
0: You know, I think at the end of the day, we as media um, media members, you know, we work our tails off all the time. And, and I have so much respect, honestly, for, for this profession because it's hard. It's not an easy job. And, and we're trying to gain those stories and uh, find out the, the interesting things on and off the floor about these guys. But what this podcast has done is it allows you to hear these stories firsthand from them, and they're not holding back. So I think one of those stories is just a testament and an example of all the stories that – all the noise that is going on around this team as it had for the last couple years about Kyrie and LeBron not getting along or Kevin and LeBron not getting along or let's ship this guy out and bring this – whatever. I mean, to hear that rawness and real – Um, life story I mean you can't feed it and it silences a lot not that that's the guy's um, motive but that's just them being real with you Yeah, and
1: and that's the best thing it does and it's you know it's so interesting to me too because I feel like You know, especially when just being on the outside and um, the narratives that have surrounded this team over the years. But, you know, especially when they don't play well, like people really get upset when the Cavs have like a two game losing streak. And you hear like one of the podcasts, I think Kyrie and RJ were just kind of joking around about how, you know, yeah, we don't like talk for a day and then we're all good again the next day and we know we can play better. And they're just so like not nonchalant, but it's just. It really gives you perspective on how big a deal on the outside we make of things when inside it's completely different. And that to me has been another Uh such fascinating part of it because you're like, they're just they're just a bunch of dudes hanging out playing basketball and they really you know, we take things so seriously and they're just kinda like, Yeah, we played pretty shitty. We'll we'll play better next game. You know, it's just so interesting. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway. Um well Allie, thank you so much. I really appreciate you uh you hopping on and, and giving me some of your time and um yeah, thanks for all the insights and all the kind of background and all that stuff. This was, uh, this was fun.
0: Hey, absolutely. Thanks for reaching out. It's been a lot of fun, so I'm excited. Anything I can do to you know, help promote it and, and give these guys also some love and for their willingness to do it, um, I'm, I'm all for that.
1: All right, that is it for my conversation with Allie Clifton. Thank you so much for listening, and be sure to check out viewfromtheterminal.com for all your Cleveland sports and culture needs.